hear this often also is this idea of being male, stale and pale. Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organisations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Treeks. Hi, I thought I'd record a podcast talking about this concept of gender inequality within the uh, marketplace, particularly in relation to executive roles. I'm uh, regularly asked for my opinion about this and also uh, in terms of talking to my clients, uh, talking to them about uh, access to quality talent, both male and female, uh, and in this broader idea of... uh, diversity and of course diversity is more than just sex it is also uh, sexual orientation um, ethnicity religious orientation age disability etc etc so uh, diversity is becoming you know a very big topic and I'm just going to have a meandering chat here I hope that uh, I cover off things that you may personally be interested in but certainly I'm very happy uh, for you to make some comments or email me with any further questions um, in relation to this topic. A couple of years ago I went to a gender diversity uh, presentation run in Brisbane by a wonderful lady named Sonia McDonald. Sonia if you're listening, uh, hello, uh, Sonia and I have a a great love for each other, and uh, and uh, she's a good mate of mine. Anyway, uh, she was running this dinner on gender diversity, and there probably were about a hundred women there, and about five blokes, one of whom being yours truly. And uh, she had a panel of uh, three CEOs, two male and one female, uh, plus herself. And anyway, the whole conversation was about uh, gender diversity and, and opportunities for women, and. Um, uh, it was uh, an evening event, so there was a bit of wine drunk, and uh, so there were a few people who uh, were getting a little bit excited, and I'd had a couple of wines myself. So uh, anyway, um, uh, there was a high level of angst in the room um, by the female uh, attendees um, about the lack of opportunity or access to opportunity that they perceived uh, in the executive market. So what I decided to do was uh, to go back and do an analysis. And in the previous month, we had recruited four C-level roles, uh, CEO, CFO, COO, etc. Four C-level roles, three of which were in the not-for-profit sector. And across the four roles, uh, there were 800 unique applicants. Now, I should say in every instance, every employer said that they would love love to employ a woman into the role and I'll talk more about that later but anyway uh, 800 unique applicants for four C-level roles three of which were in the not-for-profit community what percentage of those applicants were women seven so seven percent of applicants were women and yet in every instance the employer had said that they would be delighted uh, to have a woman in the role, and in fact, uh, it was um, mandatory that uh, there be a good representation of women on any shortlist. 
So I suppose um, uh, one of my takeaways from that, and, uh, and let me preempt this by saying that you may or may not agree with some of my opinions. I know that I get up a few people's noses and uh, I'm, more than happy, uh, I'm more than happy with that. <laughs> uh, so one of my uh, takeaways from this was one, um, women need to be encouraged to apply for roles that perhaps they perceive as being outside of their core skill set. As an executive recruiter, having owned Arata Executive now for nine and a half years and having worked in the industry for probably 17 years, certainly in the nine and a half years that I've owned Arata Executive, I can say with absolute and complete honesty that in 99.5% of instances where we're recruiting an executive role, the employer, when asked, have you a preference for a male or a female, will either say, I have no preference, or will say it would be fantastic to have a female take this role on to give us more diversity. So it is extraordinarily rare, extraordinarily rare that an employer would say we want a man. Uh, and yet when we go to the market and we run our headhunting campaigns and we run our advertising campaigns, the level of application from women is very low. Now, this is a generalisation, but uh, it appears you know, and I've certainly had this fed back to me, although I can't cite a particular, you know, study or source for it, that uh, when a female applicant is looking at a job ad, and let's say that the job ad calls for 10 things and, and she only has eight of those things, uh, she is disinclined to apply uh, because she doesn't fulfill the entire hiring criteria. Whereas on the other side of the coin, if a man sees an ad and the ad asks for 10 things and he's got three, he thinks, oh, I, I definitely should apply because I'm the best person for the job. You know, and once again, I say that as a bit of a generalisation, but I think that there is definitely some truth to that. Um, uh, I would encourage and I would suggest that my peers in industry and certainly uh, uh, employers, I think, would encourage more female application. Uh, they want to see your CVs. They want to consider you for the roles. In many instances, they're probably prepared to employ somebody who will need to grow into the role if they are um, a woman or indeed uh, have other elements of diversity to them. They want to proactively give people opportunity to achieve, which I think is absolutely fantastic. I think one of the other things that you know is gonna be a real game changer is that historically, our careers lasted until we were 50, 55, 60, 65 now. Uh, and so uh, if a woman chose to have a child or kids and take time out of the workplace, they would be significantly disadvantaged in terms of coming back into the workplace and competing for roles against men who hadn't had that time out. So in other words, if the woman has five years out, 10 years out, 15 years out in that same period, you know, a man will have had the advantage of having all of those years of extra experience. Well, the reality now is that we're gonna be working much longer. Uh, there is a very strong uh, and growing amount of evidence that assuming that, you know, you don't get run over by a bus uh, or have suffer some other kind of accident, you know, people of our generation, and I talk as somebody who's just turned 50, you know, are very likely to live until we are 
100, 110, 120. And what that means is that we will probably be continuing to work into our 80s, hopefully through desire rather than necessity. So for women who have taken time out of their career and are coming back into the workplace, when potentially you can be working for substantively longer duration, then it means that a lot of those perceived advantages that men had are now you know, being um, uh, less important. Now, I know that there are a number of women that have been on my podcast who have achieved the absolute pinnacle of professional success. Uh, and I speak of uh, Marin MacArthur from Virgin. I speak of Andrea Staines. Um, uh, I speak of Fiona Birkin. Uh, you know, there is massive evidence of women being able to take on and deliver outstanding results as CEOs and as board directors. Um, so I think that this historical issue of glass ceiling, whilst there is no doubt it still permeates some organisations, and it shouldn't, and it needs to be eradicated, and there needs to be strong, positive reinforcement to ensure that these uh, social norms get changed. The reality is that, in my opinion, as a recruiter of senior executives, uh, the level of appetite for female talent, the level of proactive desire to promote female talent um, uh, is unprecedented. Uh, it's extremely encouraging. And uh, I would certainly encourage uh, females who uh, have aspirations to move into these senior level roles to take advantage and to move into achieving their full potential, as is uh, the word arrow I was at a uh, recruitment conference uh, about 12 months ago, and they started to talk about the bamboo ceiling, and I hadn't heard this term before. Bamboo ceiling, you know, refers to the fact that Australia has significant trading uh, activity with uh, Asia. Uh, I can't remember the figures that were cited, but, you know, it was uh, you know, a very large percentage of Australia's uh, business dealings are with Asia, and yet a very, very small percentage of executives and board members on Australian uh, with Australian organisations are Asian. So um, there was a very strong desire to see uh, the promotion of um, uh, people of Asian background, etc., into senior executive board roles to become more representative of where Australia does business. And again, I think that, uh, you know, that is going to fundamentally change uh, the way that uh, we as executive recruiters are being briefed to go and fill roles. I um, uh, was uh, meeting with the head of recruitment of a very large government-owned corporation literally in the last week and talking about diversity and, you know, uh, in relation to some board work that I was doing. And we weren't just talking about male-female diversity. We were talking about all of the other types of diversity that I mentioned earlier. So I'm by no means a diversity expert. I'm uh, certainly been known to being very politically incorrect. Uh and, uh, and I, um, uh, so I don't stand here or talk to you as any expert, but I just wanted to give you a real sense of what is happening in the market. The final thing I wanted to mention, and uh, I um, uh, hear this often also, is this idea of being male, stale and pale, and particularly in relation to board roles, um, men... Uh, often in their sort of, let's say, late 50s to 60s, who have had very uh, successful careers as C-level executives, uh, 
uh, within commerce and industry, um, want to move into a board career, and they're saying, oh, Richard, you know, I can't get board roles because I'm male, stale, and pale. Uh, I'm male, so obviously boards want women. Um, I'm stale, I'm too old, and I'm pale, I'm white, and they want you know, non-white old men for their board members. And the reality is that there is definitely truth to that in relation to when organisations go to the market and they advertise board vacancies or they brief board recruiters about vacancies, they will say to those board recruiters, we need more diversity, we want you to attract talent other than older white men. Uh, It's a reality of life. But also it needs to be taken into consideration that boards have a duty to their stakeholders their shareholders, to have the best quality of talent on the board in order to achieve the best outcomes for those stakeholders and shareholders. So firstly, if you are applying for these roles and you are being considered against non-male, stale and pale talent, if you are the best person for the job, you will still get the job. So I would say to you, do not Uh, get discouraged to the point that you don't apply for roles because you assume that you won't be considered because of your uh, background. The second point that I'd like to make, which is what I make in relation to all roles where people are applying, uh, is you need to get in front of the employer before they know that they need you. Uh, You don't want to be engaging once they've already gone to the market to fill the board role, you want to build a relationship with the chair before they know that they need you so that when the board vacancy becomes available, you are logical first choice. Now, if you have built a relationship with the chair and the board based on your key achievements and transferable skills and a board vacancy becomes available, they won't care if you're male, female, you know, what age you are, what sexual orientation you are, Uh, what religious orientation you are, they want top talent. They want to hire you. You are awesome talent. They can't hire you if they don't know you. If they don't know you until after they've gone to the market, you are one of potentially 200 applications. If you are in front of them before they go to the market, you are purely being considered on your own merits. So whether you're a a senior executive or a board executive, my strongest recommendation to you is to get in front of your employers of choice using LinkedIn as a tool for introduction, picking up the phone, ringing them, asking them for a meeting, and then becoming uh, somebody that they start to realise is the best talent for their future operations. I hope that's been a useful conversation. Uh, I get called out on uh, this regularly, and I wanted to just essentially be a voice perhaps in the wilderness that says that uh, male, female, whatever your particular persuasion, if you are a great candidate, you will get great board and executive roles. Um, I certainly would encourage you to apply for roles that you think are potentially outside of your core skill set, but at the same time, I would encourage you far more to get on the front foot and be proactively creating your next opportunity. Thanks and have a fantastic week.
Thank you for listening to the Arate podcast with Richard Triggs. If you'd like to accelerate your executive career journey, Richard invites you to join his CEO Incubator community on LinkedIn. Just search for CEO Incubator in LinkedIn groups and click on the Ask to Join button to apply. We'll see you in the community. The Arate podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air podcast network.